I'm so glad you're with us this morning. Uh, I'm Petey, I'm the senior pastor here. Uh, you're here to support a kiddo who is singing in our kids' choir. Glad you're, glad you're with us. If this isn't your church home, but you're a guest with us, we're glad you joined us. I hope you enjoy worship. Um, if you would grab a Bible and turn to Matthew chapter six, you have pew Bibles in front of you. It's page 1381. And uh, we're gonna be looking at a scripture together as we continue our series talking about uh, the fullness of Christmas. This is a season that's full of a lot of stuff, whether that's parties or gifts or um, even, even some worries and concerns and laments, but it's full of a lot of stuff. We wanna make sure that we're helping you um, fill your Christmas with the right things, things that'll help you be open to what God wants to do in your life and your story. And so we're gonna look at a text together in Matthew chapter six, beginning in verse 25. This is Jesus teaching in a segment known as the Sermon on the Mount, where he's instructing his disciples on what it means to be a citizen of his kingdom. And so uh, Matthew 6, starting in verse 25. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. So let's stop there. Today we're talking about a Christmas full of contentment. And I know it's easy to think like, oh, I should be content in Jesus. I should be content with my faith. And then I walk into Target or then I'm on Instagram and I get, I'm scrolling through and I get an ad for a new shacket. You know what a shacket, like it's a shacket. It's a shirt, it's a jacket. Or like I get a text message on my phone that says like the newest Jordans are dropping right now. And I know like if you don't buy them right now, you're not gonna get them. I typically don't, by the way. I'm not like, anyways. <laughs> it's easy to think like, yeah, I should be content in my relationship with Jesus. And yet then there are all these moments that hit me and I actually don't feel very content. And what I wanna do today is, is rather than giving some like really unrealistic and naive, uh, Jesus is enough, avoid consumerism kind of pep talk. Uh, I actually wanna do something a little different. And that is to acknowledge that in this season that's notoriously full of consumption, to see that instead that gracious contentment prevents anxious consumption. We live in a consumer-driven world. It's part of the water that we swim in in our culture. Unless you get off the grid and, and become Amish, you're not gonna avoid consuming. It's just part of the world we live in. It's part of the season. Yet how do we consume in a way that helps us be content 
as opposed to being anxious. And so I use two words intentionally. One is the word gracious, because it is a contentment that is not from us, but it's something that is given to us. It is a grace, it is a gift given from God. And then the word anxious, because many of us consume with a sense of trying to find fulfillment or purpose or meaning through what we consume, and it never works, so we stay anxious about it. In the popular country song, Buy Dirt, singer Jordan Davis says, you can't buy happiness, but you can buy dirt. He's meaning you can buy property, you can buy land, you can buy a home, but you can't consume contentment. But you can consume from contentment once you are content. We need consumption to be put in proper perspective so that we don't spend all of our time worrying about things like food and clothes uh, clothes and drink. In our text, Jesus names two common sources uh, that, of, that can, we, we consume that can quickly become a source of worry in our lives, clothes and food. He says, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or your body, what you will wear. Some of us have already spent time worrying about those two very things this morning. Now, I don't think that this teaching is primarily about clothes or food. And I know you think I think that because those are two things that I absolutely love. But what I want you to see is that there's something bigger happening that Jesus is digging at when it comes to the ways that we posture ourselves in consumption. In fact, many commentators and theologians find this to be an odd passage because uh, it can seem cruel to say such a thing to the poor. We know there are many around the world right now, for instance, who are struggling to know where their next meal will come from, how they're going to be provided from with safety or shelter. And so it can be cruel to say, oh yeah, don't worry, don't worry about those things. And we know that many of Jesus' audience were from the lowest social class of Israel. And so this is not a text that's saying, hey, God's going to provide you comfort. Don't worry about it. You're going to get everything that you ever needed. It's a text that's calling for contentment in the midst of all circumstances. And we'll see that. He uses the metaphors of birds and flowers, as we read in the text, because there's never a moment in which a bird or a flower decides, you know what? I'm not content and yet they are thoroughly and completely dependent upon God. And he wants us to consider how many of us are not completely dependent upon God, and yet we also find ourselves terribly discontent often. Food and clothing aren't bad, but they can't ultimately satisfy us because we get hungry again. We have a meal, but we get hungry. We buy clothes and yet they wear out. They go out of fashion. We get tired of wearing them and they need to be replaced. And even though the original audience of this text was in a different time and culture, we have something in common and that's that they and us, those who are listening to Jesus' teaching and deciding they want to follow him, and those of us who consider ourselves Christians in the 21st century, we all find ourselves tempted to say, yeah, I trust in Jesus. I trust in the kingdom of God. And yet we build our lives around a perpetual sense that we need something that we don't yet have. We build our lives around a sense that there's never enough, that there's something that we don't yet have even though we've said we trust in Jesus, we're constantly in pursuit of the next thing. It reminds me of, if you've seen the movie, uh, uh, The Greatest Showman, and there's the Swedish nightingale, Jenny Lynn. She sings the song, never enough, never enough, 
never enough, never enough. And that's how we feel sometimes. That's the curse of consumerism in our world and our lives is that there's always this sense that there's something else that I don't have that I need. And it has disastrous effects on our souls and on our lives and on our sense of being able to be present and content in whatever that we're sitting in in the moment. In fact, this is what Jesus says. He asked the question, can any of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? Can you add a single hour to your life by worrying? In fact, uh, one of the rabbinical traditions, one of the, the rabbis around Jesus' time held that, uh, that worrying made you grow old, which is to say that worrying makes time fly by. And how many of us have had time fly by? We've missed the moment that we've been given. We've not been grateful or satisfied. We've had time fly by as we worry about finding the perfect outfit about waiting for that next trip or that next experience, about worrying about how I'm gonna consume or buy or purchase that next thing that I need to make life easier or better. Life just flies by and we miss it being discontent because we're searching for something when God's already provided it for us. Life flies by as we flit from one consumption to the next. If we want our souls to grow attached to the God who has provided for us, we can't also have our soul be attached to the next consumption. And therefore we have to know who we are before we consume. Pastor Eugene Peterson said that we care more for our possessions with which we hope to make our way in the world than with our thoughts and dreams, which tell us who we are in the world. So all the things that we're buying, the things that we consume, purchase, they're making promises to us that we are what we consume. We are what we own. We are what we buy. And yet the Christian story desires to tell us who we are, who we are before we ever consume. It's not that we're doing the wrong things when it comes to food or clothes. It's that we're expecting the wrong things out of food and clothes and whatever else you want to add to that list. Let me draw your attention to a very short phrase uh, in verse 30. He says, you of little faith. Because at the end of the day, contentment is an issue of faith. It's about whether or not we trust that God is who he says he is, that he is a good provider. It's an issue of faith which means it's not about just trying harder. So I'm not here to tell you to try harder, be more content, do better at it. So if it's not about trying to be more content, about, about working harder to be more content, what is it about? It's about gracious contentment, about receiving what God has done for us, that we understand that what God has done for us in Christ is enough for us before we consume that the sacrificial love of Jesus, of the one who goes to the cross for you and for me, reveals that what we so desperately seek is freely given. It's not purchased or consumed or achieved or hoarded. He freely gives it to us that because the gospel moves because God is working and active, his transformation is possible. I can be grateful for what God has given me rather than anxious about what else 
I need. The Christmas story, the story of Advent that we're in making our way to Christmas is the story that God came to us, that he enters into the world to bring us exactly what we need. That's the story we're telling ourselves over and over that I have everything I need. I cannot make myself more content, but I can trust in what God has done for me. And that puts my heart at rest before I consume, before. Notice what Jesus says, for the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them, but seek first, seek before his kingdom and his righteousness, living in his ways. And all these things will be given to you as well, meaning you will have exactly what you need to enjoy the life that God has given you to be content in it. He says, disciples are seekers. We're seekers, but we're not seeking after the next bargain or, or seeking after that, that perfect thing that we've been looking for to consume. We're not seeking for the next uh, Michelin star meal. Like we're, we're seekers first of the kingdom before we do anything else, before we buy food or clothes or whatever it is, we are already fully satisfied in Christ and that changes our perspective on it. And he says that, that the pagans run after all these things, meaning that those who don't trust in God, that they are pursuing these things. And so he's saying that if you're just out in the world, it's like you're, you're going, you're searching for contentment. You're, you're pursuing, I, can, I, can I buy this? You're comparing yourself to others. Can I be fulfilled with this thing that I just went after? Or do I need the next thing after that? But if you trust in Jesus, it's not like you're out there searching or buying for something. Instead, you're seeking Jesus and it's like he's door dashed contentment to your house. You didn't have to go get it. He brought it to you. He brought it to you. And so I want to actually give you a quick little set of questions to assess contentment in your life before you consume. I think especially this time of year, it's helpful because we are consuming a lot. Um, and I, I want to give you a set of questions to ask before you buy or purchase something. Uh, it's a contentment before consumption inventory. Just three simple questions. The first is, do I need it or do I want it? And it's okay to buy things that you want. You don't have to just buy things that you need, but it's important to name that, no, no, it's not that I need it, but I do want it. To name it, to be honest with yourself. Uh, <laughs> yesterday afternoon, we had a quiet afternoon at the house, uh, and I, I was sitting there, and I was like, there was something I really needed to go buy, needed to go buy. So I got in my car, and I drove to REI, and I bought a pair of shoes. And I got home, and I was like, you don't, you don't need those shoes. So I left them in the box, and I, I think I'm going to take them back today. Do I need them or do I want them? I didn't need them, but I wanted them. So I'm going to take them back. It's important to name. Do I need this or do I want this? It doesn't mean you have it or don't have it. Do I need it or do I want it? Uh, the second is, will purchasing this satisfy me? And as we know, the answer is usually no. But I think it's important to tell yourself the truth. Will purchasing this satisfy me? Saying it out loud, no, probably not. Third question, who am I without this purchase? And this is just a chance to preach the gospel to yourself, to remind you of who you are in Christ before you make this purchase. Now, I would encourage you to do this this week. Do it 
once, do it many times. I don't think you have to do this for everything you buy. And, and if, you, if you're going out to buy groceries, don't, you know, I think about consumer items. If you're making a big consumer purchase, ask yourself these questions. Just do it one time. Just remind yourself, you are who God says you are before you consume or buy or whatever it is, that thing. And the hope is that you are gracious with yourself. This isn't about being judgy, about judging yourself, about being perfect, but to understand where we are seeking to find contentment through consumption. Remember, it's not about trying harder to be content. It's about reminding ourselves who we are in Christ first. So in light of what Jesus said, hear the words of the Apostle Paul in Philippians 4. I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. I have learned to be content, whether well-fed or hungry, in plenty or in want. And this is what Jesus is driving at, that we're learning to be content because of what Christ has done for us and what it means for us, rather than what we can consume, hold on to, earn, achieve, buy, whatever it is, that we learn through receiving Jesus, that gracious contentment is more satisfying than anxious consumption. Because we have no doubts, the jury's not out. We know that consuming for purpose, for for fulfillment, it just runs out. It makes us anxious. We have to get to the next thing. My encouragement is that Christ is way more satisfying. You'll still have to consume plenty of stuff this season and in your life, but what does it mean to know who you are before you have to do those things? To be reminded that the anxious consumption always, always, always keeps us trying to find the next thing. Uh, last year, I found myself at another store buying another pair of shoes. And um, mm-hmm. it's a fair question. I don't know. I don't keep count. Why would I keep count? <laughs> Seems like I would just be indicting myself by keeping count of how many shoes I have. Uh, and I'm at a store. I'm trying on a pair of sneakers. And the teenager working there brings me the shoes. I'm trying them on. And he says, do you like those shoes? And I said, yeah, do you like them? He said, no. (laughs) And then he had the audacity to say, but they'd be okay for somebody like you. (laughs) I did not buy those shoes that day. (laughs) Teenagers, I love you. It doesn't take being shamed by a Gen Zer to know that consuming never quite satisfies us the way we think that it will. So I need to be, to be reminded all the time, I have everything I need in Christ. I have everything I need. You have everything you need because of what God has done for you, that God enters into the world at Christmas to remind us we have everything we need. Amen? Would you pray with me? Holy God,
We come before you and we hold up our lives and we say we can often be a jumbled, uh, consuming mess, and yet we trust that you are good and that you come to us anyways. You break into our conflicted lives and you offer us your peace and your joy and your satisfaction. May we learn to receive the gracious contentment of the gospel, the good news that you have given your life that we might know that we don't have to measure up because you have measured up for us, and that we would trust as we go through these next few weeks that you are a good God, that you are with us, and that you have provided everything we need. Amen.